0: what is up everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of hope unfiltered just the basics my name is dr joey kramer and this is a podcast about the basics surrounding your health health being a complete state of well-being not merely the absence of disease our infirmaries i hope everybody is just having an awesome week we are cooking i mean it is june already this year And with June coming into the equation, you know, right now in Texas, we are about to start moving into our summer months and inside of our summer months, there's a lot of confusing and conflicting information surrounding heat, the impact it can have on you and how it can be tremendously beneficial for your health. So today, I want to take the time to dive into a subject that I knew absolutely nothing about, a subject that is very intriguing to me, and it's intriguing in two ways, and I think I'm going to cover this over the next two weeks, or the next two episodes, because it tends to be a very aggressive social media trend right now, and that trend is the cold plunge. Many of you may have seen this where there are wonderful human beings subjecting themselves to ridiculous temperatures of water for an extended amount of time somewhere you know between the 5 and 10 minute mark and then jumping out of it and then you know doing some type of breathing exercise as they go through that cold plunge therapy and it's just man I do not want to subject myself to cold temperatures period let's just get that out of the way so I have been resistant to the entire thing. I have a few patients who love it. I have a few patients who hate it. And I have some people who are trying to convince me that, man, we all just need to do the cold plunge because this will solve so many of our problems. So today, we are not going to dive into the cold plunge. But in these conversations I have had over the last month, um, the biggest question I have had is, does it have to be cold therapy? Could we actually do heat? And it's funny how you things just happen in this world because the minute I ask that question, all of a sudden now, you know, all these sauna ads are popping up on my social media pages. Um, all these articles are coming out. All these things that, you know, apparently people are researching at this moment in time. And so today I wanted to take that time to share with you what I have discovered over the last month Regarding heat and the benefit that can be really given to you. Now, my understanding is that this can also be done with exercise. It can also be done in uh, the cold plunge system. But today I want to expose the world of heat. And in order to do this, I have to give credit to two sources that I'm using. Actually, let's use three. Number one is going to be Andrew Humerman, he is a neuro researcher out of Stanford, and this is episode number 69 number two is genius foods it is a book by max lugaviri and it is chapter 10 that i am referencing out of this and so today i want to start with the basics because we have to understand the basics to understand the benefits basics number one stress is all around us in our life stress can be given to us in two forms we can have negative stress and we can have positive stress Examples of negative stress would be a fight with your spouse, financial wherewithal, or financial loss, uh, loss of a loved one, loss of uh, an animal, a pet, a friend. You know, you I think you can kind of surmise the idea of what that means. Positive stress, on the other hand, can be something that is <clears throat> given to the system, meaning the human body for further advancement of performance as a human being. Exercise, walking, cold water immersion therapy, saunas. And so inside these stressors, what we find is that when we activate the stress regulating system with a positive stressor, something that the body can utilize due to the the uh, physiological capabilities of adaptation that we have positive health benefits given to us from these stressors. And so today I want to dive into one positive benefit of heat exposure. And this is something called a heat shock protein. Now, I'm going to be talking about this big over the next two weeks. And hopefully, this is something that will spark your interest and give you something. Uh, some knowledge to take with you on the way. So let's talk about heat shock proteins. Heat shock proteins are not limited to heat. They can be induced by exercise and by cold temperatures. They, um, functionality-wise, are designed to stimulate the production of new proteins required to build new muscle tissue. They are also designed to protect and guard proteins of the body from misfolding. So with that being said, many of us understand the idea of protein being the way we consume our food sources, right? So it could be done in beans, it could be done in protein like steak, chicken, etc., but on the biochemical level, proteins are a structure that is designed to have a lock and key mechanism, and what I mean by that is that on the cell structure of a protein, there are these little um I guess, signals that will tell the body if it is good or if it is bad. It will help the body recognize it and then use it for a biochemical benefit. So when we talk about protein in the biochemistry world, we understand that proteins are a 3D structure. And these structures are folded, meaning that they go through this three-dimensional process of rotating on top of each other to become biologically functional. And what that means to you in a very simple manner is that your protein has to fold in the correct way, in the correct manner, in order for the body to be able to properly identify it and then use it for some type of positive good inside of your human body. So when the folding is done correctly, the body is able to recognize these proteins and put them to positive use throughout your human body. However, the opposite is also true. If these proteins are folded incorrectly or they are dis figured, for lack of a better term, they become a foreign object inside of your body, and the body does not recognize it. This can cause a litany of health issues, and one of them, which I find super fascinating that I wanted to discuss today, is the formation of neurodegenerative disease that can cause Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and Lewy body dementia. You see, the fascinating thing about this is that when a disease hits close to home, my grandmothers, both of them, have some form of dementia. It makes you really want to understand what you can do to prevent this in your own life, in the lives of your patients, and the lives of your community, and the lives of the people around you. And so what I start to understand with this is that if we have excessive protein misfolding, excessive protein misfolding, misguided folding or disfigured protein depending upon where that takes place inside of your human body it will re- result in some form of clumping together that creates a plaque and this plaque is what is thought to be the understanding cause or causative agent of one of these three neurodegenerative diseases of dementia alzheimer's plaques are unique to alzheimer's parkinson's plaques are unique to parkinson's louis body dementia plaques are unique to them but what's fascinating about this is that throughout our entire life all of us have some form of plaquing taking place in our body meaning that there are proteins that are misguided clumping together creating disfigured um, growth inside of your body, the body doesn't recognize it, and it wreaks havoc on the system, causing a cacophony or a litany of diseases. And so with that being said, I have to ask myself the question, what can I do to prevent misguided protein folding? Well, there's a ton of things you can do, but since today's ideas and today's focus are on heat exposure, we are going to talk about heat shock proteins and how they are responsible. Four, protecting and guarding proteins from misfolding. Wow, that's fascinating. And then number two, they can stimulate the production of new protein so that you can actually have them fold correctly. Fascinating. So the study comes out, and in this study it showed that the Finnish, who are the most used sauna-friendly people in the world who use saunas, found that if they use it somewhere between four and seven times a week, there is a 65% decrease in the risk for Alzheimer's or all other dementias. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Simply sitting in a sauna four to seven times a week has a 65% decrease in the risk for Alzheimer's or other dementia. What that means is that by voluntarily exposing yourself to excessive heat to the tune of four to seven times a week can have a positive impact on your health that will prevent one of those forms of dementia. So naturally, we have to ask ourselves the question, well, what do I need to do with the sauna? Well, I went down the rabbit hole, and what we found in this fascinating thing is that saunas, have been used for well over 2,000 years. They improve stress resilience. They decrease mitochondrial dysfunction. And they optimize the ability of the body to actually fire off the heat shock protein synthesis to prevent protein clumping. Those all sound like super awesome benefits that I really want in my own life. And I think that every single one of you would want them in your life if you recognize that you could actually do something voluntarily that can prevent the onset of these debilitating diseases of Alzheimer's, of dementia, and of Parkinson's. And so with that being said, we are going to talk about saunas today because saunas are super important in the heat exposure world especially when we want to look at protocols that we could per, that we can invest in because you're going to ask me the next question. Hey, doc, what do you recommend I do for following the sauna protocols? Now, there's a disclaimer behind this because I want to say you do need to check with your MD to see if you can tolerate this, right? Because every single human body is unique. I cannot give you medical advice on how frequently you can follow your sauna. I can simply pr- uh, share with you the information that was given to me from Huberman and his podcast number 69 on heat exposure therapy. So with that being said, let's talk about it. There's two types of saunas on the market right now. You have the traditional sauna, which many of us are aware of, where you have moisture that is designed to create a heat environment inside of like a well, like a cedar area, right? It's like what you see in the movies when you see guys walk or people walk into this wooded room that has all this steam everywhere and everybody's just sweating and they're all sitting in there or the other one is the newest and latest is infrared the difference between these two is that a traditional sauna typically gets somewhere between 80 to 100 degrees celsius or 176 to 212 degrees fahrenheit on the other hand the infrared sauna and the thought process behind this is that infrared light is designed to penetrate deeper into the skin to stimulate cellular activity so that you could warm up faster and sweat at lower temperatures now there's not uh and let's see and the ir only operates between 120 and 150 degrees celsius so significantly less now according to huberman there is insufficient evidence of ir or infrared sauna having additional effects behind beyond those of a standard sauna in fact He notes that the infrared sauna does not reach the heat ranges that are necessary to stimulate the heat shock proteins and convey the benefits that we are seeking. So with that being said, it sounds to me like a traditional sauna is the way to go. Fortunately enough, there are many options on the market right now for you to invest in that you could put this sauna, I mean, mean like in your backyard. You can put in your garage. You could even have these contemporary saunas that you could put inside of your, you know, master bath and create this recovery suite for yourself that is just fascinating. And so as we go into this are keeping that in mind, let's talk about this because many of you are going to want to look at a traditional sauna and your goal is going to be to invest some type of strategy on a weekly basis to utilize this into your life. There are a lot of questions surrounding this, but I am going to focus on three. Number one, What can I do in a sauna to convey general health benefits? This is going to be the majority of you. The recommendations, according to Huberman, are two to three times a week. In these, you'll do 20 minute sessions and you will go somewhere between 80 and 100 degrees Celsius or 176 to 212 Fahrenheit. Some disclaimers on this start slow, meaning go in at the lower temperature ranges. And see how your body does adapting to that environment. Maybe it's ten minutes you can sustain the first couple of weeks. Maybe it's fifteen. Maybe it's five. You will have to build yourself up into a twenty-minute session on these three times a week. So, for the general population, that's once again sauna benefits are two to three times a week. You're going to look at this of doing it like <clears throat> a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, maybe a you know I would say. That's probably best, or a Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, where you have one day of autonomic recovery between uses so that your body can have time to adapt the health benefits and not continually be in a shocked state, right? We have to go through an adaptive process and allow our system to actually acclimate to the changes that we are trying to instill upon it. It's no different than working out. It's no different than going through some type of transformative process in which we have to stress the system and then allow the system to recover. Number two, there's another protocol out there, and this is for maximizing growth hormone. This is for all of those out there who are interested in conveying the strength benefits that can come from uh, excessive heat exposure. In this protocol, we're in the same range, 176 to 212 degrees Fahrenheit. However, you are only going to do this one time a week. In this protocol, in the morning, you will do two sessions of 30 minutes in length. So you will go into a sauna, 30 minutes. And then you will come out for roughly 10 minutes out of the sauna to allow your body to cool back down and then go back in for another 30 minutes and re-shock your system. It's super important here because now you're going to take about a four to five hour break between your sessions. And then in the evening, you are going to repeat that protocol, two 30-minute sessions with a 10-minute break between. This is done once a month. I'm sorry, not once a month, once a week for maximizing growth hormone um, in the human body. Piece number three. What type of parameters do I need to take into consideration when using a sauna? Number one, you should use them in a semi-fasted state, meaning it needs to be about three hours since you've eaten any food to maximize your health benefits. Number two, recovery. You need to have at least 16 ounces of water for every 10 minutes you are inside of the sauna. 16 ounces of water for every 10 minutes inside the sauna. Number three. Afternoon is favored because what happens is that after you use the afternoon sauna, your body will begin to go into a natural cooling rhythm. This will favor the already uh, circadian rhythm of the body, which is cooling down for the evening to allow you to go to sleep. So what that would mean is that if you were to invest in using the sauna in the evening, it will actually convey more than the heat shock protein benefits it will also convey benefits for recovery allowing you to move into a deeper and more tranquil sleep that is just awesome so i am 100% fascinated by the basics of this simply get a sauna expose yourself to excessive heat follow one of these protocols i gave you or go onto the episode here and look at the uh, the protocol sheet i have detached here from huberman Pick up Max Lugaviri's book and go read about it. Um, but what this is, is it's a fascinating way to look at what can I do to prevent myself from suffering one of these cognitive declines that is wrecking havoc on us in Western society. It's very easy. I'm not asking you to go out and run a marathon. I'm not asking you to go out and lift weights or join CrossFit or do any of these crazy things. All I'm saying is expose yourself to excessive heat. The benefits of this far outweigh the cost and and convey to you this super awesome opportunity to invest in long-term health. So I hope you all learned something today regarding heat shock proteins. I hope the information here is beneficial to you and a way to understand that there are positive stressors in the environment that we can subject ourselves to to convey health benefits and that you can now understand the basics of biochemical protein folding and how we need to actually have stressors that inhibit improper folding, that keep misguided folding from happening, and that convey to us a stronger and more resilient neurological state so that we can continue to thrive in this life well into our later years. Once again, this is just the basics. Hope. What is this? Hope Unfiltered. There we are. I was about to jump back to my old podcast name. This is Just the Basics, Hope Unfiltered with Dr. Kramer. Next week, I will be back, and we are going to talk about cold plunges and how they also stimulate heat shock therapy, our heat shock proteins. However, these shock proteins convey a very different benefit than prevention for Alzheimer's, Lewy body dementia, and Parkinson's. Tune in next week for understanding how this contrast therapy can greatly benefit you in your muscular system recovery, your inflammatory system recovery, and reducing auto-inflammatory conditions. I hope you all have a blessed week and a great start to June. Get a sauna, get after some of these protocols, and start giving yourself the benefit of health.